0: You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson.
1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. My name is Matt Robinson with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. I hope you subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Happy to be welcoming back to the show for the first time in a while. We're saying that about a lot of guests here recently as... uh, been hard to get everybody together here over the last, what has it been now, 18 months, 15 months. Uh, AJ Beck is here. How's it going today, AJ? Hey
0: Matt. Uh, great to be with you. Great to be, uh, in person with you as well. It's, uh, certainly. It's kind of yeah, novel. It's, eh? well, you know what? It, it's been different just doing radio, you know, you're, you're doing it remotely sometimes, you're doing it in different rooms. So yeah, it's just kind of another step to normalcy, right? Where we can share a beer, a Gretzky beer and, uh, and, and hang out and chat about whatever you want to talk about. So we got uh, lots
1: to get to, but you're right. This is uh, the first time I believe I've tried one of these. I think this is from, uh, Gretzky's got a winery somewhere. I didn't know he had started doing the beer thing. I uh, didn't either. So I, it must be down in Southwestern Ontario right near Brantford or something. I, I, I guess I didn't check it out here, but, uh, it's the 99 rye lager from, uh, the Gretzky brewery slash winery slash everything he's going on there. Um, yeah. It, like you said, it's great. It's It's been so rare that we've been able to to do these in person. I think I mentioned to you before we fired up the microphones, uh, Michaela was in here once a couple of weeks ago. And before that, it was back to like September. I think Nate Bahar and Chris Hoffley were in here. Okay. Like right around Labor Day. And then everyone went back to school and back to work from summer vacation. And cases started heading up and up and up again. And that was it. We were shut back down. <laughs> so it's nice just be able to sit down, actually see who you're talking to, and and like you said, have a pint. I, I don't know if you guys are, are doing that part of it down at uh, TSN 1200, cracking the pints open, but uh, not you know. very
0: often. No, <laughs> no. I uh, last time I did that was 2019. I, it's it's a kind of a funny story. All right, well Cheer, let's have cheers, it. By cheers, by the
1: way. Uh, cheers, man. So you'll just have to trust us, there, good listener. It's a
0: can, right? So that's. Uh, it's not a bad beer, Wayne. No, I don't mind it at all. Good job. The, so, another great one. 2019, it wasn't a very good season for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and we were in Winnipeg. And of course the Bombers ended up winning the Grey Cup that year and Jeff Avery and I traveled all the games together and you know, we we didn't think Ottawa had much of a chance <laughs> going into Winnipeg and sure enough we were right as we walked past so Winnipeg's probably my favorite place to broadcast. A game from on the road right. because just the, the sight line, the booth, it's a great stadium. It's a, it's a really good spot to broadcast a game. And, and I think really a good place just to watch a CFL game, um, you know, at Investors Group Field. So where we broadcast from, it's a suite level. So you pass like beer cards Oh, and stuff. nice. So we passed a beer card on the way in and I said, Jeff, if, if they're losing by 28 points, we're having a beer tonight. <laughs> So sure enough, at halftime, the score is 28 to (laughs) one. And I turned to Jeff immediately at halftime because you know, you got 15 minutes, right? I said, 28 to one is close enough. I'm going to get us beers. (laughs) So sure enough, go get us a couple of pints. We have one in the third quarter. And then as soon as the third quarter is done, he goes away. He didn't even ask. Right. And brought us back two more pints. So <laughs> yeah, that, it's not something you do very often. Right. And if you are going to have a beer, it's probably best you keep it to one or two, probably. which is kind of where I'm at in, in, my, uh, in my sphere of life anyways. Right. I'm one or two guy these days. But uh, yeah, just <laughs> that would be the last time that I would have had a beverage on, on the air okay. um, and it's quite memorable. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, at 20, I had threatened that so many different times. Like I remember there was a game in 2017, they started poorly. I think they were one, five and one out of the gate and they mm. played in Hamilton and the Ticats, I think were 0 and six. And that's when Ken Austin basically either resigned or got turfed sure, right at the midway point of the season. And, and I basically said if they were losing at halftime, they didn't have to be down if they're losing at halftime that game. Yeah, that we were having beers, <laughs> and sure enough, they're were, they were losing early, but they found a way to take the lead at halftime. Of so it's was like, okay. So I threatened play, that though. a couple of times yeah. before, hoping that at some point it would actually come true. And sure enough, yeah, twenty eight nothing, twenty eight one. Good enough. They stink tonight. We're having some beers because. <laughs> That's about the only way that the second half is going to be tolerable for us. Oh, boy. Is that the last game
1: of uh, uh, that you've called in the booth for the CFL? Uh, no, because uh,
0: uh, I believe, I, I think they played Montreal the, yeah, okay. the last game of the year in 2019. Right. So, no, it would have been late that year for sure. I mean, the second half they were was out of her, yeah. so bad. And yeah. uh, <laughs> hopefully that's a, a distant memory, but... Uh, Yeah, it's been, you know what? I've been real fortunate though, because if you look at this year and it's, it's different without fans, but you know, I, I was able to call 19 Belleville Senator games Mm -hmm. at Canadian Tire Center. I was able to call, you know, so far three professional soccer games live, um, in Winnipeg and, you know, looking forward to the home opener on August the 14th for Atletico Ottawa. Um, able to do the Black Jacks home games this year as well, five of the six, and it'll be six out of seven here shortly. And, and now football. Um, so get to call professional sports in my four favorite sports in hockey, football, soccer, and basketball. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, to, to be able to do that and do it live, you know, especially, you know, with everything that's happened over the course of the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I think is pretty special indeed, but this CFL to to get back in the booth, because it's been so long, right? It's been almost two years. Sure. I, I think that's going to be probably the most special of all of these ones, just because, you know, when I was calling Atletico games, it was the first Atletico games and, and same with the Blackjacks and same with, um you know, the Belleville Senators games and, and all that sort of thing. But, you know, for me, this is. Bit of a ritual, right? Sure, to, yeah. to be able to go on game day, and it's got a certain buzz and feel to it, and to have that back, and especially with fans, and you know, most of those games were called in empty stadiums yeah. or arenas. Which, hey, I was still thankful Better to be than able than to nothing. do it. Yeah, but the difference, even just with a thousand fans at a Black Jacks game, or a thousand fans, which was allowed at those games in the bubble in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. uh, even with a thousand people. It, it makes such a difference just to hear like something happens and you get excited about it. And that reinforcement that you hear from the crowd, right. It just kind of blends together when you're getting excited about something that no one else is really excited about. It's yeah. just kind of weird um, just to have that empty kind of sound. So yeah, the fans, you know, look, when it comes to sports, the athletes mean the most, um, you know, we're, we're all watching because of the athletes and we want to watch them participate, but a close second is just the atmosphere and the fans and, you know, like it's about going to a, a football game at Auburn and, and experience the atmosphere of yeah. tailgate and, and the SEC. It's about going to a, a, a soccer game in, in Poland and just seeing the, the, the chance of the supporters and how crazy they get. It's. Well, I was it, at it, Leafs and Red
1: Wings at the big house, right? hundred thousand yeah. people and you. We're sitting up in like the nosebleeds. You can't see shit through the snow flying around or whatever. But the atmosphere is half the the show, yeah. right? Like that's half of it. That's a big part of it. And I can remember watching the Super Bowl this year, going, "It's pretty cool to have the sound of fans back." And I still think it's crazy as shit. And I'm not going to be one of them because it's February still, right and in Florida or whatever. They were doing. It wasn't time yet to do that, in my opinion. But as a viewer of a broadcast, it's sure adding to to it, even if I'm not ready to go do it. right? Like There is absolutely a noticeable element. I think we all saw it when the, the Stanley Cup playoffs fired up this year. You're watching North Division games in still these empty buildings with the, the piped-in crowd noise, and then you go down and it's Tampa versus Carolina or whatever it is, and you, the, these places are going crazy. right? It's a totally different game.
0: Can I ask you a question? I, I'm usually I, I kind of like this the, the other way around, but it's nice. I, it's still questions pop into my head. Sure. So I, cause I'm just curious and, and you know, like there's, everyone's got their own comfort level mm-hmm. right now. Right. And are, are you, are you comfortable to the point where you would go to a soccer game or a football game at TD place if, you know, I with 15,000 people yeah, or not th- quite there yet?
1: I might be there. I might be ready to go to a red blacks game outdoors. 15,000 people. Yeah. I might be there. I'm not ready to go to the dome. To me, that's a weird gray area thing. If the roof closes, I know it's still a giant cavernous, whatever, but we're not outside anymore. You know what I mean? I don't know that I'm ready. You know, normally when the Leafs roll into town here in Ottawa, I'm, I'm going to go check that out. I'm not doing that yet. There's something about outside that makes me feel like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm probably, you know, I, I might be ready for that. Um, but beyond that, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to, uh, you know, a hockey game anytime soon or, well, we'll see where our numbers go. And, you know, this is going to be the normal for a while now, right? Like this is never, I don't want to say never, I don't know, but we're a long way from this totally disappearing. We'll be hearing about cases for the foreseeable future. It's just how many and, you know, you're double vaccinated. And I, I, I would say, and this will be unpopular to some people and very popular to others. If the Canadian Tire Center said you have to be double vaccinated to get in here, that would change my opinion a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, and and yeah, everyone's got an opinion on yeah. it. And whatever, you know. Some I I kind of I I just listen, and but there's no doubt. I mean, you you look at France and how many people decided to get vaccinated yep. once all of a sudden, oh, yeah, the world's closed is, this is, unless this is going you're vaccinated. To allow me to go, Was you know, 3 million people in the first again. week or so, something, you know, everyone's got their own personal choice. And, and if, if that's how they choose to live, then so be it. Uh, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's not for me to judge, but, sure. um, yeah, I mean. Yeah. You just asked my perspective. That's no, where f- I'm at. For yeah? sure. That's for sure. At, no one, so. I understand that a hundred percent. And, and for me, I, I'm probably right there with you in terms of you know, what I'd like to see going forward. But in the meantime, like it depends on, depends on when, like, I don't know, I, I, I'd like to be able to, it, the one thing you learn, you know, you go through some of the stuff that I went through health wise yeah. and you only get one life. Right. And, mm-hmm. and kind of, I'm at the, I'm at the point where it's like, you know, I understood the cautious for the longest time. Yep. And now that I'm double vaxxed, I'm at kind of the point where it's like, okay, let's go. Right. Let's go. And, and, and and I get that not everyone has the choice in various parts of the world Mm -hmm. to get that right now. Um, but you know, the good news about Canada and, and a lot of the Western world is we're, we're kind of there. Right. Where if you want to be double vaccinated, then you can get double vaccinated at this point. And so I kind of feel like it's time to, all right let's move on. And we're sort of dragging
1: our heels for people who have chosen not to do it. And that part's frustrating, right? It's, I'm sort of, like you said, I, I know it's unpopular and I'll say what I think. I think at this point, yeah. uh, Restaurants, theaters, sporting events, concerts, whatever, open it to 20,000 people, but double vaccinated. And if you've chosen not to be, you have that right, but those venues also have the right to say, then you're not coming in here. And that's sort of where I'm at with the whole thing. So, uh,
0: we don't need to get bogged down there. No, No, I probably shouldn't have taken it in in that direction, but it is what it is. You mentioned the, uh, the
1: health situation you'd been through and and you've been on once there, uh, you know, since, but, uh, how are things going for you now? Are you feeling pretty
0: much back to normal? Things good for you? Yeah, no, I feel good. Everything's good. You know, once I got, uh, the gallbladder out, it's. You know, I don't know exactly if it's full steam ahead. I mean, it is. I mean, I still have a little bit of what they call necrotic fluid inside me. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, just try and live as healthy as possible. Could I eat a little bit better? I could definitely <laughs> still eat a little bit better. It's not like I'm going to KFC every day or anything like that, but could probably, you know, you could, and, and you could always kind of eat a little bit better. But Always, yeah. Yeah, not... You know, keep kind of keep my uh, alcohol to a minimum. And yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's, uh, we won't pull you over here too often. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I'm one or two is fine. All right, all all right. if the doctors say I can have one or two. Okay. And I'm good with one or two. Fair so, enough. um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's just, again, you kind of, you go through that and all of a sudden you, you get through the other side. And now it's, oh, yeah, I'm like everybody else kind of waiting yep. for the pandemic to end or, at least kind of take us a little bit closer to normal and yeah, just, uh, hopeful that, uh, we, we get there soon. I mean, I, you know, I'd love to be able to, you know, my biggest passion is travel. I've talked about that, uh, here with you guys before and, uh, you know, hopeful that, you know, like I'm sure I could go and travel right now, but I, I, you know, I don't go just to see a monument or anything like that. I go to, you know, all the different things that I go to travel for involve people, like sure. sporting events, um, you know, going to restaurants and, and bars and meeting people and just meeting, you know, I, I'm, I'd i rather go, like if, if you told me, okay, you're going to Peru, a lot of people would say, and they're probably a lot smarter than me, <laughs> okay, I'm going to Peru, I'm going to Cusco and I'm going to uh, Machu Picchu and I want to see this. Mm-hmm. Well, if you told me, okay, you got 24 hours in Peru, and you can either go, kind of meet a bunch of people and eat the rest, eat the food, or go to Machu Picchu. And I'm, I'm, you know what? You go to Machu Picchu. I'm sure it looks great. It looks great in pictures. Sure. And, and I'm sure I'd do it. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather go to Lima and go to a soccer game and then go and have some some Peruvian food and meet some Peruvian people and kind of that's that's kind of my yeah way of traveling. And so like until you're allowed to do all that kind of stuff. And, and we are kind of moving out of the mask zone and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of hard to get excited to spend a bunch of money to Enough. go to Japan, to go to South America,
1: to, to see what, or to, to do to, what. Everybody's you, still locked down yeah, and so. things are closed and yeah, it's been a drag on the tourism industry for sure. Right. And I keep seeing, you know, it seems like every few weeks. Another cruise line fires back up and then it's, oh, uh, we got a case on board and now everybody's quarantined back. Like there are just certain elements yeah. of the tourism industry that are like, it's got to be killing them, right? Like it, it's, it's just a total mess. So, um, glad to hear, obviously things are largely back to normal for yeah. you and, and, and going pretty well. Uh, you got to host your show for a little while out in, out in Edmonton. Um, similar, although more regular and, and more live than what we've been doing here. We've been, everybody, guests, hosts, whatever, it's all been done remotely. Um, what are the sort of unique challenges to doing a daily sports talk radio show, not only in a different room, but in a different time zone?
0: Yeah, honestly, not many. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like it's like once, there's little things where you, you kind of have to text back and forth and and sometimes you might like during an interview, right? Like if we've got somebody on and we're in different rooms or different cities or whatever, well, maybe that person's talking about something that you have a follow-up question about. Otherwise you just kind of alternate back and forth. But if you're in the same room, you kind of have hand signals. Sure. Yeah, I got a follow-up to this or whatever. So you have to be mindful of that. But other than that, it really... Isn't that challenging? I mean, in today's world, like if you would ask me 25 years ago to host a show, at an Ottawa show from Edmonton, well, you're not watching <laughs> the news and, you know, like pre-Twitter, right? Yeah, but now, of you know, like I can get all my Ottawa information. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not, I, is it preferable to be in the city at that time? Yes, it is because- right. You know, if all of a sudden you're walking in the market and there's some sort of festival on, it's like, oh yeah, i was experiencing this festival. Yeah, a little and taste that. of the but city. In, yeah. in in COVID times, though, no, <laughs> like what's been going on? Nothing. It's a heck a lo- heck of a lot of nothing. So whether you go to the grocery store in Edmonton or in Ottawa, it's still a grocery store, right? Yeah. yeah okay, they might not have Farm Boy out there, but. Well, Other I sh- than
1: that. a little bit similar, right? Like I shot out of here in February or whatever it was, five or six weeks I was gone and took the mixer, took the gear I needed, set it up in a weird little side room down at my parents' place in, in the Kawarthas. And since we were doing everything remotely anyway, when Rob and I or Michaela and I or whoever were doing these shows, the audience had no idea you are even gone, right? You're, you're still watching the same events. You're yeah. still... Online, you're still talking to everybody. Uh, There's a slightly different sound to my voice acoustics wise, but that was it. And most people, you know, they're listening in their cars or whatever, they're not picking it up. So, yeah, yeah you can kind of still keep it going. I will tell you, it, 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 and I'm only bring it up because it's you that's here. The first guest, I think, that we had on the show. By phone was you during Grey Cup week when it was here in Ottawa. And you were good enough to, uh, I think that was the first time yeah, we ever yeah, chatted yeah, with you. Yeah, I remember that. And as so we talked by phone, and that was the first time Rob and I had ever had anybody on by phone. And so we talked beforehand, how do we want to do this? Right. And the setup that we had in the old studio um, to get you on sort of speaker and then through the mixer and everything, Rob and I had to sit on the same side of the table. So we sort of agreed. Yeah, it will largely be back and forth. I'll ask one, you'll ask one, I'll ask one, you'll ask one. And then if I ask you something and you say something interesting and I want to follow up, I'll elbow Rob. It's not your turn. I'm going to keep this one or vice versa. He'll do the same. Halfway through the show when we're talking to you, we forgot whether the elbow meant I'm handing it back to you or I'm keeping it right? Or it's still me. So we're elbowing each other all the way through the second half of the show. Neither one of us has a goddamn idea what the other's trying to communicate. And we weren't live. We should have just stopped and said, Hey, like let's, but you know, those are the rookie mistakes you make. And we were in the same room for that one. So, you know, sometimes things get a little bit out of hand, I guess, but uh yeah. rookie mistakes, right? Well, that's uh the trials and tribulations
0: of broadcast. <laughs> just
1: trying right? to figure it out. Right. So, um, Look, you've been down we're uh, we're into the uh the first week of the CFL season. Um you mentioned earlier how, you know, that's sort of a ritual for you and it's been kind of a long-standing thing that you've done since we've had the team back in Ottawa. Have you been down to the stadium much for practices and and checking things out as uh you know, what's that been like before we get into the team specifically?
0: Yeah, uh, not a ton because I was out in Winnipeg for a couple of weeks with Atletico Ottawa. Right. So I was at the first day of camp, then I came back and got to scrimmage. And and just because of the timing with, you know, my daily show with Lever Sage and Matt Vita on the drive on TSN 1200, like we're on two to six every day. And yeah. so, you know, it's, it's not the greatest timing and there's been a lot on and the Olympics and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, yeah, I've, I've been out probably, I think five times so far. Right. Um, which, you know, is a little less than I'd like, but, uh, yeah, I got out a couple of times this week and, you know, at least have a pretty good handle on what the team's going to look like in terms of starters and, uh, you know, you could kind of tell before anyways, but Mm -hmm. even just some of those spots, especially on offense where you do have some newer faces, like who are going to be the tackles, who are going to be, um, you know, the receivers, that sort of thing. Who's going to be the starting running back. And you kind of get that sense after reps. Okay. It's this guy and that guy. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be at the stadium. I mean, yeah, it's it's a little weird sometimes with the mask and it's 25 above and, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff and you're outdoors and socially distanced and double vaxxed and you're still wearing a mask, but that's, uh, you know, it's the way it is. Hopefully we kind of move away from that sooner rather than later, sure. but hey, um, it's just great to have it uh, out there and it's just, it's just great that they're playing again. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. you know, what a kick in the nuts for you know, all the players and staff and and fans and everyone that just loves this great league and, uh, to, to not play it down in, in 2020 and, you know, to have it back. I I think, I think a lot of people are going to miss it. I know how much I miss it and yeah, I really can't wait, uh, for this weekend at Edmonton.
1: Um, yeah, I guess we filled all our talk time with XFL, CFL merger talk (laughs) instead of actual CFL talk here over the last little bit. Um, were you surprised and I guess, You know, I I don't know how true it is across the league, but given that I follow Ottawa as closely as I do, um, maybe it was more here. Maybe it was across the CFL. Were you surprised how much turnover there was coming back after the year off? Seemed like a lot of retirements, a lot of guys kind of stepping away. Um, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but it did seem like a lot. And I don't know how much it happened across the league, but it, it sure seemed like there was a fair bit of turnover here in Ottawa
0: there, there was some, I I wasn't surprised. Uh, I understand, right? This is a physical game as we all know. And one that if you're not prepared to give your all, you, you can't be showing up. Right. And I, I, I'm not surprised that we did see some casualties because, you know, these were guys, you know, you think of Brad Sinopoli and Alex Mateus and JP Bolduc, Mm -hmm. these were guys that gave everything. Everything of themselves, right? And so, if you're not prepared to go to the absolute limit and then even beyond, right? With your body, your mind, and everything that that comes with it, then then I I think I think you you, you understand where they're coming from. Where all of a sudden you go a year and a half, and you know maybe you're, you're dealing with back pain every day or knee pain every day, and and now you're you're feeling as good as you felt and. <laughs> 10, 15 years and you won a great cup and you made some decent money and now you're on to the kind of next chapter in your life. And, and to, all, to all of a sudden go back to that? Suddenly there's I, some monster hitting you again. I can understand th- why why they would kind of take the next step and, and, yeah. and move on, right? I, like if you're Brad Sinopoli, what what regrets could you have about retiring? I mean, you're you're going to miss the competition. You're going to miss the sure. camaraderie of the room and all yeah. that type of stuff. But this is a guy that you know, 4,000 yard seasons. He's going to be a hall of famer. He won two great cups. Like he, he doesn't need to, you know, there's nothing else on the box that, you know, that, that he has to check off for him to be, you know, like to, to have any kind of regrets. So I, I think I, I, uh, certainly Ottawa seemed to be hit harder than other organizations around the league, uh, but they were all hit. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think, you know, and now, I was in doom and gloom mode a little bit. But when you get down there and you see and you talk to people like you know what? They'll be they'll be just fine. I I think they're going to be better than actually people think <laughs> this year. And I'm not too bullish about it because honestly, I have no idea. And I think we all have no idea. Like yeah. there's some teams like Hamilton, you look at them and you say, "Okay, there's so much continuity here. It's hard to imagine yeah. they're not going to be good." But with Ottawa, I I don't know, new coaching staff, new energy. Um, I, I think the defense is going to be really good. You brought in the best offensive coordinator in football, who's also your head coach. And I, I think I think there's a lot of pluses. So yeah, yeah. I'm, anyways, uh, kind of going off a little bit from what you asked. That's what of, we love about you, Asia. Yeah, That's no, why I we bring that, you in here. I do that all the time. <laughs> I get that. But I, I honestly think that, uh, yeah, while they've been hit hard with retirements, I, I think they're going to be okay. I've, you know, a lot of the concerns that I had, Um, you know, once Mateus and Sinopoli retired, have been somewhat alleviated, but you know, let, let's see how they look against Edmonton.
1: I think that's such an interesting point because not too many, it was probably three weeks ago now, um, we had my friend Amy Burke on the show and she's headed off to Tokyo for the Paralympic Games. She's going to compete in the sport of goalball. And I said to her, what do you expect out of this competition in terms of level of play? Because there hasn't been nearly the same calendar of events, right? You're not, you, you haven't seen the, the big competition. You haven't seen the Americans. You haven't seen the Russians. You haven't seen the Turks who are big in her sport, right? Like you just, she has no idea. And, um, you know, would you expect the competition level to be down because people haven't played each other much? Do you expect it to be higher? Cause maybe they've been practicing internally more. And she said that the biggest thing she's had to wrap her head around is not knowing someone who was a monster two years ago may have lost two players we're not aware of and hardly practiced. Someone who maybe wasn't very good two years ago, maybe their country was hardly hit or their rules were such that they were allowed to practice more than everybody else. And she goes, you sort of show up with this rough idea of what you expect out of certain teams, but ultimately you have no film. You have no idea what where they're going to be at or where you're going to be at. I think you know your point there about sort of our rough expectations of some of these teams, this may be the hardest year that we've ever seen to predict what this league is going to look like.
0: Yeah, and that's why I try not to get into the prediction game because some people are just adamant that, you know, Ottawa's not going to be very good. And I'm just like, okay, well, let's... Maybe, maybe not. Let's see how it goes, right? (laughs) I mean, you got so many football players. And I get in Canada, it's tougher because... You know, you've got to start seven Canadians and you've got to have over 20 on your roster each and every week. And with injuries and, you know, the depth, we we don't have the depth that the United States has. But Mm -hmm. in terms of the imports, like, like, just because Ryan Davis and Jordan Smallwood are receivers that maybe a lot of CFL fans might not know. I mean, Davis was you know, a, a top receiver at Auburn and and Smallwood was a top receiver at Oklahoma. And right. these guys look pretty good when I watch them in practice. And yeah, so, pretty good
1: programs. Yeah. Anything. So
0: it's like, just, just because, you know, they're not household names in this league doesn't mean they're not going to be household names like that. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the CFL. I mean, there's, and there's guys, you know, I was listening to Dave Naylor talk about this today, about the fact that there's there's guys that he, he's never been able to truly predict well this guy signs from the states Well, this guy oh he's going to be good well you don't know you no. have no idea like the some of the guys with big names that have come that have NFL experience come here and you know they're sent home within weeks and yeah. and or days even and, and then there's well, I grew others. up in the
1: GTA right I was an Argos guy and yeah. so when you were able to get NFL guys a lot of them would choose Toronto because they'd heard of Toronto it often just didn't work right yeah. like and, it
0: it And then you get other guys from small programs like John Bowman and Charleston Hughes and Odell Willis. And, you know, you look at all the guys that have come up here from smaller programs that flourish Mm -hmm. because, you know, and, and there's a different type of player, right? Like one of the big misnomers about the American player that comes here is, well, oh, he can't be that good because he's not Good enough for the Canadian for, for yeah. the NFL, so he's a second-rate player. Well, no, it's because it's a different game, mm-hmm. because of the wider field and and you know just what you need. The CFL player is different, and so you get guys like Avery Williams and uh, Micah Awe, two yeah. awesome linebackers that the Red Blacks have. Well, they're like two hundred and twenty to two hundred and thirty pounds, right? Mm-hmm. So. If you bring up kind of an NFL cast off middle linebacker, he might be two hundred and fifty to two hundred and sixty pounds. Right. Well
1: Gotta get he's there. not gonna be as athletic right. to
0: to to cover. Like when you're a linebacker in the CFL, you're you're covering a lot more yes. than you are in the NFL. Not that you're not dropping into pass coverage, but you're generally probably you know finding a tight end or or something like that. So you know, there there might be matchups where sometimes, uh oh, like you're up against the speedster and you're in big trouble. But mm. in the Canadian Football League, you have those matchups. And so I, I think you know that that's one of the big things is you get the best athletes that fit the Canadian game, which are, you know, maybe a little bit smaller and more mobile and but still tough as nails. And and that's what kind of makes the fact that this is such a great game. There's look and there's if you're a good football player, you're a good football yeah, player, flourish. right? You, you'll find a way to make it work on either side of the border, but there's just those tweeners that might be too small for NFL type positions that tend to flourish here. And that's why some of those guys, you know, you never really heard of whether, you know, they were small program guys or, or just never really made it in the NFL.
1: Right. On Tuesday, you tweeted out at the Super AJ Dig the new handle, by the way. Um,
0: For those who've been looking for
1: AJ, it's no longer AJ on sports. It's at the super AJ. Um, I
0: didn't give myself that nickname, by the way. That was the (laughs) nurses who were looking after me at the general, so. I I dig
1: it. I think that's cool. Um, You tweeted out that Matt Nichols was back taking first team reps and by all accounts looked like he was going to be good to go to start on Saturday for Ottawa. Uh, He'd been sort of know how you'd want to call it, held back a little bit, you know, the, it looked like they were taking it easy on him a little bit through camp in terms of the number of reps they were putting them through and how they were using them. And, you know, he seemed to be doing a lot of work on the sidelines. What did you make of that situation? And do you think Red Blacks fans should be confident that, you know, he's good to go?
0: How confident? I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for even me to say, right. Until you actually see just him get through a couple of weeks, yeah. I, I think you know, there, there's going to be concerns, right? Uh, for for a guy that had pretty serious shoulder surgery in 2019. Now, he's able to get that extra year in between games and said he felt great certainly coming into camp, but, you know, just a lot of throwing when you're not used to yeah. that much throwing. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, it's probably going to lead to a bit of a sore arm. So that's what they've been saying, that it is a sore arm and I'll, I'll take them at their word and they wanted to make sure that they weren't putting too much on his plate and wearing him down, you know, before the season even starts. Uh he took all the reps on day one, so that's encouraging. And let let's see where it goes from here because there there's no doubt, you know, Ottawa it was a risk what they did. Yeah. To to go out, you know, like you you basically determined that Nick Arbuckle was going to be your quarterback of the future mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you had the opportunity to get a more healthy Matt Nichols a year later, you know, where his shoulder surgery is a year further down the road. Guy that knows the playbook, guy that knows the head coach and offensive and coordinator. lapo worked
1: with Lapo for before.
0: Yeah. And I, I think this is like, this is going to give them a puncher's chance. The fact that, and it's not just him, but I mean, even his backup and Dom Davis, you know, worked with Lapo as well. Right. So yeah, I mean, you think if, if if Nick Arbuckle, I mean, it was disappointing for me too, right? I was excited to see. Of course. Yeah. I liked what I saw from Nick Arbuckle and mm-hmm. look, f- short, small sample size, I wasn't, you know, you're never a hundred percent sure, but I liked what I saw mm-hmm. and you know, you, you get excited about uh, a, a guy that's going to get an opportunity to be your next quarterback and it just doesn't happen. And in the end, you're in the business of winning and if if they felt more comfortable with a guy that they knew, especially in a shortened season with no preseason, all that kind of stuff, then I understand why they would go that way. So you don't think there was partly business there, talking money with Arbuckle and No, and I that? think this was Nichols was clearly their guy. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, I think it was clearly a situation where. Yeah, I, I mean, I who knows? Maybe, maybe in, in a different world, maybe if he agrees to exactly what. Right, they, they they wanted him to agree to, I, I, I guess it could be a situation, I mean, maybe you, you bring him both of them, right? Maybe sure, it's Arbuckle yeah. and Nichols, yep. kind of like it's Arbuckle and McLeod Bethel Thompson in Toronto, mm-hmm. but in, in the end, I, I think there's no doubt that they wanted Matt Nichols here just because of the scenario and and with everything that you need to kind of put in place with a new offense and everything like that. I mean, to have someone that's been there and won a bunch of games, right? Yep. Yeah, so I I'm, look, I I'm keeping an open mind on it. Um yeah, I like I'm like a lot of people that was disappointed just because you kind of get in that mindset, okay, this is this is the Ottawa Redblacks quarterback sure and when yeah. it doesn't happen and he doesn't end up playing a game, well, you know, circumstances dictated certain things with, you know, finances and just everything. Right. So, but, but no, I don't think it was a situation where they were trying to cut costs or anything like that. I think it was a situation where they felt, okay, well, Matt Nichols is a better fit. And, you know, like, we'll, we'll go to you at this price, but we're, we're not going to you at that price because there's just too many uncertainties, uh, right. you know, with, with everything that's going on. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple other teams. I want to ask you about a couple of
1: league things. But before we do, uh, we've mentioned now the new head coach, Paul Lapelise, has been on this podcast here before. Good craft beer guy. We like that. Um, I wonder what you expect his, you know, he's been around the league for a while, but but tell Red Blacks fans what they should expect out of, you know, his playbook, what this team is going to play like, what his style is going to be.
0: Well... I'll go back to a conversation that I had in the Fairmont Hotel, having a a Newcastle and and pierogies after a game in Winnipeg. (laughs) Nice. And Antoine Pruno came down. I believe it was 2018. It definitely wasn't that 2019 debacle. No, it was 2017 because 2018, uh, Avery Williams played a big role in a win there. I know he had a touchdown in that game. So it would have been 2017. And... I remember Pruno just seemed defeated, <laughs> almost a little bit, um, and, and asked him about you know that Winnipeg offense, and he said oh, they're just so good, they're so precise, mm. uh, they're, they're easily the toughest team to defend in the Canadian Football League, and it was just interesting to get yeah. his perspective on that. And I remember those Bomber teams; they didn't really scare you, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like right, and and that's that's why I'm excited about what is going to happen. And while I'm reluctant to kind of join a lot of the pundits, basically saying, take the under, they're not going to win three games or anything like that, Yeah, because this he's, he's an offensive magician, what he's able to do and how he's able to be creative and be so precise with, with what he does. Yeah. I, I, they get everyone involved. It's not about just, okay, this is our star. We're getting him the ball. No, everyone gets involved and they find different ways to do it. And so I, I'm excited to see how this is going to play out. And and I think they do have some interesting weapons when you look at Timothy Flanders, who, you know, look, if you're an American running back, you're just not getting a look in Winnipeg because you've Stupid, got- sexy Flanders. You've got Andrew Harris, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. Is that a? Is that a, a Simpsons Sim- reference? Okay. So, see, There is going to be a lot of Flanders references. So, reference so here is the thing: <laughs> I am not a Simpsons guy. Okay, well. It's not that I dislike the show. Okay. I just. So well, you know what? St- Steve the, Lloyd for the sake You would of love be- Steve Lloyd because Steve oh, Lloyd Steve was just on about two weeks ago. Oh, I'm Lord. sure you guys talked <laughs> yes. Simpsons for forty five minutes okay. because he loves the Simpsons. And every time he gives like I'm pretty good with my shows and <laughs> stuff, and every time there's a reference that I have no idea. now I that one I understood because of Ned Flanders yes. and all that kind of stuff. Well, for right? the sake of your listeners,
1: but, keep stupid sexy Flanders in oh, your back pocket if he scores a touchdown.
0: I'm <laughs> probably not gonna go down that road because I'm not a Simpsons guy. I'm not going to be, I got to be true to myself. <laughs> that's just the way it I is. I got to get in
1: touch with Hoff and some of the, the media people down there that are going to be running the board when Flanders is there.
0: <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, you got Timothy Flanders who's only, you know, they, when you're an American and you're trying to be a running back in Winnipeg, well, guess what? You got a Canadian that's as good as anyone in the game and Andrew Harris, so you're not going to be able to play. So you know, Flanders is a guy that I'm excited to watch. You, you look at, um, I mentioned Davis and Smallwood, two guys from Auburn and Oklahoma. I think RJ Harris could have a big year. He's a really good, you know, precise, good route runner, catches a ball, you know, I, just a real solid guy. Yeah. Um, so I think like you've got, and, and we'll see on the Canadians, I think they'll probably rotate three into two spots with Nate Bahar, with, uh, Peterman and and also, Oh, uh, with Anthony Coombs, Coombs has been a good receiver. He just can't stay healthy. So, right. um, which, you know, that's a concern, it's right? Half it's half the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta be available. But I, look, I, I think Paul you if you've got some athletes and I think he's got some athletes yeah. and then you you throw in a guy like a Devontae Dedman, right. And, and I think he'll be worked into the offense as well. Um, you know, mainly as a special teams guy, but they'll, they'll probably work him in as a receiver a little bit. And we know how explosive he is. If you've got athletes and if you've got people that, um, are committed and are smart football players, then you, you, you've, you've got something, especially if you've got a system like this. So let, let's see, let's see how they do. Um, Look, I I think the defense is going to be real good. I think there are question marks Mm -hmm. on offense. When you've got names that you don't recognize, like Davis and Smallwood, and like the tackles that they've got from the United States as well, yeah, it's kind of a guessing game. But, you know, these are good football players coming from real good programs. I mean, one of the tackles, Catalina, is from Georgia. And so you're talking about SEC and big-time programs um, and, and guys that that played at at a very, very high level. Yeah, they can play. Uh, One of the other things
1: that I thought was interesting before we talk about some of the other teams in the league was this recent thing that it came down in the NFL and then just earlier this week also came down here that if one team has an outbreak of COVID and is unable... Jesus Christ, falling all over my own tongue here. Uh, If one team has an outbreak of COVID and is unable to play because of it, and the game can't be easily rescheduled, that team will take the loss rather than just, you know, throwing the game out or whatever it might have been. Uh, The other thing they threw in there was that if both teams are unable to field a team due to a COVID outbreak, they would both get a loss, which is fascinating. Uh, I wonder what you think about the rule just in the sense that it seems a little dangerous in the sense that you're almost forcing teams to pretend... Everything is okay, even if it might not be, because wins are going to be so valuable and losses so damaging in a 14 game season and and now, even this idea that both teams could take a loss, you'd be almost waiting out your opponent to see if they might <laughs> break first before announcing you have a problem. What did you think of this decision but uh, I guess both south and north of the border, or maybe they're the same thing uh,
0: yeah, well, in terms of the public health officials, like I don't think there's any danger of them. Hiding their COVID issues, right? Like.
1: No players though, maybe.
0: Well, but if you're testing, like you're not yeah, testing, okay. yeah. you know, like it's yeah. a PCR test that's done by health officials. So if that test comes back positive, then that's basically, there's no way to that's hide it. that. No, you're right. That's Public f- health officials aren't going to say, you, you would think, you would hope they're not going to be like. <laughs> Big red black pri- yeah. Or anything like that, right? But. Yeah. Um no and I, I it's hard to imagine right I mean well we have seen it like three, we saw what happened the Broncos
1: couldn't find a quarterback yeah last but you, and...
0: you need thirty six players like there I think there's seventy one right now with the Red Blacks. All right so you need thirty six players to play so if you have thirty five guys that are either hurt or have COVID like that's a lot of players yeah, that have sure. COVID and. Look, but isn't I mean, half the problem that we don't know,
1: right? It spreads fast, and it's you know maybe you've only found five, but actually twelve are infected, and
0: yeah, I mean it gets. I, I, I guess it depends on like the, I don't know, and, and who knows. Yeah, I'd like to think that when you're double vaccinated, that you know, like it, but we've, we've seen with it? Dominique Ducharme. Now, granted, the second one was he wasn't fully vaccinated right. because he wasn't two weeks out um, when when he got. Covid from you know the the Vegas series,
1: but well, the Yankees just had an outbreak in the last week or two with vaccinated
0: guys. Like it happens, it's yeah, <laughs> it's but is is it going to happen to half the team? Probably not. No, I, I think look I, in the end, uh, they're they're trying to get guys <laughs> vaccinated, right? Yes. That that's what they're trying to do for sure. You are pushing, right? You are you are basically in a spot where you know you, you want that eighty five percent threshold and. Uh, I think three of the nine teams are. From what I understand, I think Ottawa might be. Okay. In that so we 85. haven't learned
1: which of the three teams are at that level.
0: We haven't. I just know from conversations I've had, they're amongst the highest okay. in the league. So that that's what I was told. Yeah. So when I saw the stat of three out of nine, mm-hmm. I just kind of assumed sure. that, yeah. okay, well, if they're amongst the highest in the league and three are at 85%, mm-hmm. You would, would hope that sense. they're yeah. at 85 and if they're not, they're probably very close. So mm. I, I don't know. It's again, everyone's got their own personal choice, but yep. if, if, if all of a sudden you're in that locker room and you've been double vaccinated and you got somebody next to you that doesn't want to get it. And. That's sudden, absolutely
1: the deal. It's peer pressure. All, all, right? all of a sudden,
0: it's, you know, there's a lot of different things. Oh, you know.
1: You could you cost us a win. You don't,
0: don't want to forfeit yeah. a game. Right. Number two, you don't want to forfeit your check, <laughs> no. right? Because if, if you don't have 85% vaccinated, like you could still forfeit if you have 85% vaccinated from what I understand. But if you have 85% vaccinated and or, uh, and, and basically the game is canceled, mm-hmm. well, you, you still get your check. But if you don't, then you don't get your check. So if all of a sudden okay. you have COVID issues... <laughs> And you're at seventy percent vaccinated. Well, if I'm one of the seventy percent, look, I, these are all me. hypotheticals, yeah, yeah, but that's like, interesting. I, I have a hard time thinking that thirty six guys on a team of even seventy percent vaccinated want to play with fifty
1: two guys, or you know, well, whatever it might be, right? Like you want to play wicked short handed, right? Like no, you
0: don't want to, but I look, I these are clearly in place like they're hypotheticals and they're clearly in place to try and get teams to get their stuff together. I think
1: you nailed it. You're trying to create some peer pressure within the room that said, you're not going to be the rest of us are doing this. You're not going to prevent us, you know, cost us a a forfeit or a paycheck or a,
0: And, and I can tell you this, like, like I'm traveling separately. Like I'm going to Edmonton on Thursday and I'm, basically flying commercial, like usually I travel with the team. Yeah. Either sometimes we charter, mm-hmm. usually usually we charter to Regina, to Hamilton and one other spot out west. Maybe it's a Winnipeg, maybe it's an Edmonton. So we, we've, you know, done a lot of that, but this year all the teams, because it's part of the protocols are traveling by charter mm-hmm. and basically to be on the charter And to be like, it's kind of like Fort Knox in terms of how they're running it. (laughs) And so I'm glad I'm not part of that because guess what, when you're part of that drill, you get into Edmonton, you're going to the hotel and you're staying in the hotel. Right. Like there's no, and, and this is the way it's going to be until they reach a certain point or until, you know, I don't know, like until we get to the next stage where public health officials feel comfortable enough that, okay we've done this, now we can move to the next stage and you guys can go on the road to a restaurant, right? Yep, yep. Well, we're not there yet. They can't even go for a walk from what I understand. So like, it's not like we we roll into Edmonton and they're going to be walking around downtown. No, they're stuck in the hotel. (laughs) So Basically
1: still bubbled. yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. So... you you talk about a season that lasts into December and all of a sudden, if the, if the rules are still in place and they're still in place this way, because certain guys don't get vaccinated. Well, I'd, I'd be getting annoyed. We heard from Robin Leonard earlier this year about hockey and about how they were 85% vaccinated and complaining that, you know, they, they should have more freedoms outside of the rink. Like I, I know in talking to some pros when it comes to hockey this year was a lot tougher than the bubble. The bubble, okay, oh, you sure. know, you, you went into the bubble for a couple of months, but you talk about just the restrictions and, and the sacrifices that you make. And look, I get it; they're making a lot of money. But that doesn't change. You're still the a fact human being, that, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. And so, eventually, that's going to wear on, yeah, you, of course. Right, and and you know, we we've all dealt with that over the course of the last year and a half, and it's probably worn on everybody. If you've got kids, if you're, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, everyone's got their own story Mm -hmm. and everyone's story is, is, you know, you show some sympathy or empathy and, and, and you understand what people have been going through. And so the the sooner we kind of move out of that phase to the next phase is going to be better for everybody. And yeah, from a footballing perspective, I I don't think there's any question that if you're a player you want, and you've been vaccinated, you want to hit those thresholds of 85% plus and, And you're hoping that those rules are going to be relaxed sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, and
1: I'll be fascinated to see in the fall, AJ. We just saw with the Blue Jays, they managed to get the PA to sign on to, if you're not fully vaccinated coming in to play the Blue Jays, you have different rules than the, let's say, whatever, the Yankees are coming in. 85% eighty five percent of the team is double vaccinated. those eighty five percent have different rules than the fifteen percent who are not. And they got the p a to say yes to that. We're good that's because I assume you have to come to Toronto how many times. There's one team in Canada, right? Yeah, what happens in the NHL in October if numbers are you know, if delta has become a thing and even if they're not creeping back up, they haven't gone down as much as we'd hoped maybe. Are you going to get the NHLPA with seven teams up here to say, you know, if your team isn't at such and such percent vaccinated, this is going to be a thing. And it's it's a thing in the CFL. This is meant to put pressure on guys in the room to push each other. Hey, go do this so we can go have goddamn dinner at the spaghetti factory or whatever it is. Right. We just want to get the hell out of these hotel rooms. Yeah. I think that's the only way that this gets well, loosened it's, up. It's
0: a big part of what you do and the routine, right. Is it's, And it's not like you're going to Disneyland when no. you get into Anaheim, but you, you have a routine, right? Like I know, like I've got a routine when you go on the road and you roll into town, you know, generally you get in in, in the afternoon. Right. And you, you get into town, you, you you go back to the hotel, you do whatever work you got. And if it's a nice day, yeah. you, you go out and you you have a walk and you just like, that's that's one of the things that I love so much about going on the road to places like Montreal and Vancouver and Calgary and all the different places around Canada's, you, you get into town, you, you, you get your work done and then you walk around and, and right. you just go and explore and and. And, you you know, you see a lot of players walking around as well because now that that's been taken away, it's, you know, it takes away a little bit of your sanity, right? When you are on the road.
1: Oh yeah. Just to be able to get out and and live life a little bit. Just
0: for like, even if it's for like half an hour.
1: Fresh air. Yeah. You uh, you get get
0: out out and like, you know, having done a couple of bubbles, one in PEI and one in Winnipeg, uh, I mean. I I, look, I'm I'm very, I'm very fortunate to have been able to do them in one sense, because Hey, like I'm working, I'm calling sports. It's great. Mm -hmm. But I like Manitoba, like I was there 12 days, thankfully not five weeks. (laughs) And like literally I've, I've never spent so much time in my hotel room in my life because there's nothing to do. There's literally nothing to do. You go into the team room, you go and eat and and then you go back into your room and other than going to training and back or, or, um, the game and back, like there's no going for walks. And, and just that little bit of time where like, if, if you're stuck in a hotel room, if, if anyone that's been on the road for work knows like, okay, yeah, you, you might be, you know, at a conference and then you got to go do some work in your room. Well, you still want to get out and yeah. walk around, right? doesn't mean you're going Going on tours and <laughs> and you know going sure. going on a kind of Full one of those on again off again or, yeah. buses or anything yeah. <laughs> like that no but it's still nice to at least walk around and okay all right I got a half hour walk in and now I'll come back and do a little bit more work right right, right. Um,
1: Ottawa's first game on uh, on Saturday is against the newly named Edmonton Elks uh, your hometown team well. The team from the, your hometown. What do you think of the new name? I, I'll be honest with you. I'm fine with the concept. I think I'd have preferred Edmonton Elk. I know, dramatically speaking, grammatically speaking, both are correct, right? Elk yeah. versus Elks. Or I think the the the, K, the hard K at the end is a stronger. I, I I was fine with Elk Elks. whatever I I just I think I'd have preferred the. The hard K at the end. I, what did you think in general of the...
0: I like it. Yeah, you okay. know what? I, I'm used to it already, which yeah. I didn't think I was going to be used to it, but I'm used to it already. It's Elks. And and I, I like Elks. Yeah. At first, I thought, same thing. Like, I've never really said Elks. I've always just said Elk. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. Elks works. It's like you said, they, they went to a linguistic expert and (laughs) so I'm good with Elks. I think they've done a pretty good job in terms of the relaunch and look, I, I mean, I grew up in Edmonton and I also like, I grew up a Washington. So I grew up an Edmonton Eskimos (laughs) fan (laughs) and a Washington Redskins (laughs) fan, right? And, but things change. Sure. And times change and you know what, it,
1: were you a Blackhawks fan? Because I think that might be next.
0: Yeah, well. Were you a Cleveland Indians fan? <laughs> well, no, i not a Cleveland Indians fan. I actually was a Blackhawks okay. fan <laughs> as well. I know. It's kind of, I, I don't know why. It's Well, I grew up in Edmonton. I, Washington was just one of those things. Like I, I started watching NFL football in 1981. Right. And then 82, I started cheering for Washington about halfway through that season. And they won a Super Bowl. And <laughs> I've been a fan ever since. And I mean, but honestly, I kind of, kind of like Washington Football Team. It's weird, you know. Once they made the change, it's like, okay, yeah, that's it's very European long or overdue. right? Like, but, but yeah, it's Washington Football Team. I'm kind of good with it. I, sure. I don't know how this next name is going to go. I, but, I, I'm surprised in my own mind at how accepting I am of Elks because there's some names that just never really like. It was the St. John's Redmen when I grew up, and okay. they had this great rivalry rivalry with Georgetown basketball, and Chris Mullen and Bill Wennington against Patrick Ewing, and hmm. some you know it was Big East basketball was so good back then, and you know it was the St. John's Redmen, and I still hear St. John's Red Storm, and I'm like it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> okay, yeah, but but with red Blacks and elks. I've already, and even the wizards doesn't sound right to me. The Washington (laughs) wizards, it's always going to be the Washington bullets for me, but with elks, I've already moved on guardians. I'm not really feeling guardians. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's going to change. Doesn't it feel like they
1: just wanted to keep the same last five letters?
0: Well, I kind of feel like they should have gone with spiders. They had spiders there before and I don't even, I I hate spiders, but just felt like it, anyways, it is what it is. Um, you, you get grew- used to all these names, yeah. right? I mean, if, if you, if you, if there was no such thing as a team called the Red Sox. Right. Or the White Sox. And all of a sudden somebody came out and we're the Red Sox and the White Sox. We'd be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's the, you That's named the, your team the no, Red right. Sox?
1: You just get used to uh, it. Like, but yeah.
0: you, time flies and you get used to it. And eventually. I it just still don't know fits. what
1: to call one of their players. Is he a White Sox or a White Sox? I, I yeah, have well, no that's, idea. That's right? the one that's, you know, he's a heat. like Right, okay, yes, an avalanche. He's a Okay, you grew up in Edmonton. How important do you think it was? Like, they obviously held firm, we want to keep the double E, right? That Edmonton Eskimos logo was very cool. It always was. Um, and so, like you say, times change. We want to change the name and uh, be a little more sensitive to you know, certain parts of our fan base or people who might've been offended by it. Do you think it was important to hold that second E
0: and, and keep that part of it? Yeah. Well, we saw how important the R was here, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they went from Rough Riders to Renegades to Red Blacks and yeah, I, I think that's a pretty iconic logo. I do too. And you, you can still use it, right? I yeah. mean, and they're not using their, you know, they're, they're selling the elk and. And I think that's a good thing in the antler and that's a good thing, but you still have that EE in the holster that you can use. Yes. Uh, so I think from that perspective, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that they're still an EE team. Okay. So we talked a little while
1: ago about not necessarily being able to predict as confidently as in, in previous years, what this league was going to look like. Um, but outside of Hamilton, who do you got your eye on? Who do, Who do you think may really surprise and impress people this year? No, no idea. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Honestly, like I think anyone that thinks they've got a sleeper this year, they're fooling themselves. Right. Um And I'm sure like someone's going to get it right. So it's, you know, like there, there's going to be someone, I'll say Ottawa. I'll say Ottawa nice. because, I, and, I, and when I say Ottawa, I'm not saying that they're going to go 10 and four, 11 and three, but I just think. I think they're going to be better than what people think they're going to be. So maybe they're six and eight. Right. And six and eight is better than three and 11. Yeah. Um, I I just think, (laughs) I just think there's too many things. I think the defense, if you look back to 2019, everything on offense was a complete debacle, right? And and part of the reason was late coaching change and Mm -hmm. Jamie Elizondo leaving and they didn't have a, a true backup plan and. And, and to go along with the fact that you'd, you'd lost your quarterback, it was just perfect storm. And then like, but, but you, you look at the first half of that season and they were three and six and they could have easily been five and four.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Like they were three and six, they, they lost a game, the most frustrating game that I've ever called <laughs> the game where Rick Campbell elected to take the safety. making it coming back to me making it a a two-point game instead of a four-point game and then you kick to them Calgary moved down the field with Arbuckle they kicked a game-winning field goal and it was like (laughs) what did you just do they hadn't even scored a a touchdown all game, and you gave them the opportunity. Anyways, it's still, I I love Rick. Rick's such a, I mean, he's a really good coach Mm -hmm. and a great man, came to see me in the hospital multiple times, just a super guy. Uh, That one still boggles my (laughs) mind. I don't know what he was doing. I have no idea. So he basically threw away a win there, and there was the other game in Edmonton where, and I I know the whole ifs and buts and candies and nuts statement (laughs) and all that kind of stuff, right? But there was an Edmonton game where... You know They had three cracks at the end zone late in the game and couldn't find it. So you could have easily been five and four at the break with an offense that was no good. Right. The defense, if you remember that year, the defense in the first half of the year was outstanding. Yes. Then they suffered a bunch of injuries. Avery Williams went down, and they were completely non-competitive. Like the second half of that year, they were so bad, so bad. They played Toronto and BC five times, all in the second half of that season, and they lost all five, and they weren't close in any of them. And those were the two other worst teams yes. in the league, right? So it just fell apart. And I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, I mean, I, I just don't don't get the sense that, you know, there there was cohesion with the rest of the group on defense, with you know, with the the coordinator, and and there there's just a lot of issues that mounted, and, and it just kind of snowballed, and you know, when you when you kind of lose a little bit of that hunger and that fight, you have no chance when it comes to football, even if you lose a little bit of that. Right. And that's, that's what happened. And so I just think fresh start, like you look at the, they, they brought back, I think it was like 27 players from the team in 2018. Now, granted, they lost Trevor Harris. They lost Sir Vincent Rogers. They yeah, lost big Greg Ellingson. Right. So there's no doubt they lost some really key performers but they brought back like 27 guys Mm -hmm. from a team that went to the Grey Cup. So they should have been better than what they were in 2019, but they they were missing some key components, most notably quarterback and offensive coordinator. Well, you brought in a quarterback, you brought in an offensive coordinator, you have the best special teams coach in the league. Like you've got a special teams group with Bob Dice is uh, you know a lot of those guys are back in terms of the cover guys like the Nigel Romics of the world. You, you've got Lewis Ward back. You got Richie Leone back. You got Devontae Dedman. Uh, and so like you're gonna and special teams can win you some games. It won them a game that year against Montreal. The two yep. return game from Devonte Dedman. Right. So I, I think special teams is going to be good. I think they're going to be really good on defense. Like I think this could be the best defense. That they've had since 2015. I love the 2015 defense. I, lo- I actually love the 2015 team more than the 2016 team that won the Grey Cup. Yeah. That was that was a hell of a team. That you know probably was there a little bit too early, but they lost some really key pieces on defense that year. Well, I look at this defense and I say this might be either the best defense since 2015 or the best defense that they ever had. Bringing in Cleon Lang and Devon Coleman in the interior is going to make a huge difference in terms of the pass rush, I think. You've got Avery Williams, who to me is going to show that he's a top five defensive player in the league. You brought in Micah Awe. You brought in Don Namba, You've got guys like Sherrod Baltimore and Abdul and. Antoine Pruno and Randall Evans and Gump Hayes had a good rookie year, so I, I think that. And, and you brought in a new coordinator, who I, I think the players believe in, and Mike Benavides, who's got a lot of experience. So I think the defense is going to be really good. So yeah, I'm sold on the special teams. Sold on the defense. Yeah, the, the offense, big question marks, no doubt, right. huge question marks. Right. Uh, starting with the quarterback. Starting with okay, how how healthy is. Matt Nichols, how is that arm? Because that's that's a concern, right? Of course. If, if it was sore throughout preseason, maybe that's just you know part of the deal. And and with you know shoulder surgery and all that kind of stuff, and so we'll, we'll wait and see. But if if he is if he is serviceable, serviceable, mm-hmm. I think I think they can make the playoffs. That that's all. And I think he can be better than serviceable. Right. He he gets kind of crapped on as a guy that's a quote unquote game manager and whatever. That's kind of all he needs to be is, you know, find, and as a quarterback, that's kind of all you need to be right in in the the end, right? I mean, yeah, you want the guy, the Mahomes who can run around and, and, you know, throw, you know, going left and throw it the other way off balance. And yeah, we all love that type of stuff. But if you've got a coordinator that knows what he's doing and players that are in the right spot and he just, you know, the quarterback is... The quarterback, right? He's, He's just out
1: there. Yeah. dinking and dunking to, yeah.
0: to, to the guy that, that happens to be open, right? It doesn't have to be 35-yard bomb here and 50-yard bomb there. No, just find your skill, guys, and, and work them all in and with some creativity, get it down the field and score some points and and, and most notably, keep your defense off the field, right? right? And if they can do that, I see them as a playoff team. So I, I think their de- their offense only has to be – Average with the best offensive coordinator in the league to make the playoffs. In my opinion, can it be average? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's going to be <laughs> as bad as 2019. But I have a hard time thinking that, just because I think, you know, they're they're going to have their their crap together in terms of you know just the the coaching staff and and everything. And and that's not a criticism of Rick Campbell. That's no. just just the way things went. With you know, there was a couple of things. Number one, you know, obviously they were hit by the loss of Jamie Elizondo and they just didn't have a plan B. So that was a problem. But number two, I just felt like the overall coaching staff and they had some really good coaches. You know, you think of Leroy blue, you think of Mark Nelson. I mean, you know, you still had Bob dice. You had some really good coaches in that group, but you lost Travis Moore. You'll, you'll like these guys, the, the the coaches that they had when they went to back-to-back great cups in 15, 16, you had, you know, Jason Moss was your coordinator in 15, and then in comes Jamie Elizondo. You had uh, Ike Charlton in the sec- secondary. You had Travis Moore, receivers coach. You had mm-hmm. Brian Chu as, as an old line coach. And I just don't think that group in 2019 as a whole was as strong as as what they had in the past. And now, when I look at this, st- the, this staff, top to bottom, and you look at the experience that a Bob Wiley brings, you you look at the experience that. Uh, a Steve Walsh brings to the table. I, I just think you're you're going to have a much better staff, and you're you're not going to have the same types of issues that you had that way in 2019. They still might have issues. I expect them to have sure. some issues and sure. some growing pains on that side of the ball. But if they're average, serviceable, I think they make the playoffs. So that's a, that's. That's that's the bar that I'm setting. It's not a huge. We all get excited about offense, offense, offense. In the end, you need a great defense to win. Now you need that offense to keep the defense off the field. And if the offense can do that, I think this is a defense that can win a lot of games for them.
1: So, as I'm going to be unfair to you because you said a lot of unknowns, a lot of we don't know. Yeah. How many wins that take for the Red Blacks?
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they make the playoffs, so yeah. I'll say. 8 8 yeah.
1: And 6. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Like that. And that's the high water mark, right? That's what they're pushing for. That's where they got to be. Head, I, I head
0: says 6 and 8. Okay. Heart says 8 and 6. All
1: right. I like that. So I like that.
0: So, I think they're going to be kind of in that middle middle of the pack zone and and I I think I do think Hamilton's the class of the division. They right. just bring back too much. Yes. Um so look, I don't know if every guy's you know, there's going to be some guys that probably Aren't, there's gonna be. aren't as in shape as yeah. they, you know. On they, all these teams. Yeah. So you, there's going to be some unknowns. And where for are sure. they? Right. Like maybe somebody's
1: backup quarterback is in shape, whereas someone's number one receiver isn't in shape, right? Like we don't know yet where these holes are going to be. That's yeah. going to be the fascinating part of this is, you know, it's not just who's ready to go and who's looking good and who looks like they might be done. It's where those
0: guys are and how important they are. And I, I. I Go ahead, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I, I do think Hamilton is like, especially when you look at the return of Jeremiah Masoli, yeah. right? So now you've got Masoli and Evans and you've got, you know, a, a guy like Brandon Banks. You, you still have, you know, Simone Lawrence and some right. other, Ted Laurent, some other key guys on defense. So I, it's hard for And they're not really, really good head coach in Orlando Steinar So I, I think Hamilton's going to be really good. Like I, I'll be... I'll be shocked if they don't win at least double-digit games, mm. but I, I think the rest of the East is wide open. Like Montreal, okay, they took a big step in, in 2019. Yes. What do they do two years later? Is Vernon Adams Jr. going to pick up where he left off, or does he have a bit of a sophomore-type slump? Um, you know, and in Toronto, they got a new coach. MLSE
1: knows nothing but success, H. The Argos <laughs> will be fine.
0: Oh. <laughs> they got a new coach in Ryan Dinwiddie. They got a... I didn't even know who their starters going to be. Is it going to be, uh, yeah, Nick Arbuckle? Is it going to be McLeod Bethel Thompson? I honestly have no idea. Yeah, um, you're going to want to show so off that shiny new toy. But you got all these NFL guys, right? Kendall yeah. Wright, yeah. And, uh Martavis Bryant, and 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 you brought in all these other guys, uh, you know, from around the league. So on paper, yeah, they look like a lot of good players. But we've seen that in the past. Just because you bring in a lot of good players on paper they might win four or five games. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the West is going to be strong top to bottom as it always is. And I think the East is unpredictable after Hamilton. And so that's why I kind of say, why not Ottawa? Sure. Uh, be remiss while you're in here.
1: Got to ask you about the Sens and, uh, and the off season that they're going through. At the time we sit here, still no deal for, uh, for Brady Kachuk, but I think we all assume that's coming, um, Did you expect, I want to make it a fair question. Ottawa is not always a hotbed for unrestricted free agents. So it's not like they were ever going to go out and blow the doors off anybody. But as we sit here right now, Delzato is really the only, I guess, impact, even if you want to call it that, free agent that the senators have brought in. Did you expect them at this point in the summer to have done a little bit more, whether it be within their own house or, you know, adding to, uh, to the group um, than what they've done so far.
0: Well, let's be honest, Canada isn't. And, and I think that's, yeah. you know, when you talk about unrestricted free agents and the ones that do sign in Canada typically sign for too much. Yes. Because you're overpaying because of taxes, right? I mean, if, if you get offered of 5 million in Florida... Mm-hmm. Five million in Vegas or five million in Edmonton or Montreal. At least you
1: just saw with Bogosian. You're right? you're
0: gonna mm-hmm. sign in one of those other places. Off he
1: goes to Tampa.
0: And so like to make up for it, the Canadian teams often end up overpaying and it's problematic. So like if I'm a Canadian team, I try and stay away, far, far away <laughs> from unrestricted free agency just because typically you're gonna have to overpay.
1: Brian Burke used to say when he was in Toronto that GMs make more mistakes on July 1st than the rest of the year combined.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I think when when you're a team that isn't busy on July 1st, I think that's a good thing. Right. Make make your business on the other days of the year. There's a lot of teams that, you know, given the cap situation, are, are happy to get rid of salary. So go out and find some of those bargains. You know, you've got a lot of assets. You've got a lot of picks next year. Go out and find, you know, give a couple of those picks, you know, seconds and thirds or Mm -hmm. whatever, and, and go out and get some guys that, that might help you. And
1: what would you be looking for with those picks if you were running the team?
0: Honestly, like I know they're big on a center and so like a a guy like an Adam Henrique, like if, if you can work out some sort of deal and Anaheim took, you know, half the salary and and you bring in a veteran guy that looked pretty, like I haven't watched a lot of Anaheim in the last couple of years. I don't, I don't care what he is. Okay. (laughs) You know, like if they, you know, at almost 6 million, if they take half the salary, you're basically on the hook for three. Yep. To me, like just, okay, at a guy at that type of price, he can play up or down your lineup. So maybe, maybe he plays as a second line guy, played pretty well with Connor Brown. Yep. Um, Maybe he plays further down your lineup. Doesn't really matter, but. I just worry I, like, I didn't, didn't we just see them kind of block some of their kids? Well, like now and, you got and Pinto that, in there? And that's and that, exactly why I I'd don't want to go yeah. and get I'd I, go get a star.
1: Like if I could get a clear cut absolute number one yeah, but if I was Ottawa, I would do that. But
0: you're only getting a star if he's got baggage. Yeah. So I I don't I don't want to go and get and, and to get Are a star. Are you interested
1: in Eichel? No. Not at all,
0: eh? Too much baggage. Wow, okay. And and it's going to cost, like... Oh, yeah, no, it's going to cost. Three different things. Number one, you're bringing in baggage. Number two, you're going to have to part with really good players. Mm -hmm. Players, not just player. Yep. Look at... Look at San Jose. You think San Jose wouldn't like to have that Carlson trade back? Yeah, they
1: probably so, would.
0: <laughs> so that that's number two. And number three, you only have so much cap space. If all these guys pan out, if mm-hmm. Pinto and Norris and mm-hmm. Sanderson and Kachuk and Stutzla and all these players pan out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're going to have to get rid of some of those guys. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to pay... And outside, and I just think in a Canadian market, I think it helps to have a guy that grew up in your organization. Sure. I, I, I think you know there there's certain. It just seems like a lot of guys, whether it's taxes, whether it's the pressure of playing in Canada, uh, I a lot of these guys don't want to be here. <laughs> it just you know some guys really want to be here, yeah. especially later in their career. But I feel like the guys in their prime don't really want to deal with it. Oh, there's too much pressure. Like it's it, it to me. It's so soft too. It's so soft. Yeah, no, I agree like, with that. Imagine, imagine a soccer player. He no he thanks, Milan. He, he he's not going to go play in Barcelona right. because it's too much pressure. So he's going to go play at Valladolid <laughs> because they don't. They, yeah. There's not as much media attention right. or right. or you know people like I saw you know a report and I know it's true. Uh, about, oh, well, I don't want to play in Canada. There's people that don't want to play in Canada because of the taxes. Okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. And the, the COVID restrictions. Okay, well, I, I get that too. And and the social media, which is basically basically social media and pressure and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And that that part Twitter, to me, <laughs> that's just soft. Yes. I like completely soft. I feel like Americans love playing here. More than and, and I think that's one good thing is you know with Kachuk and Pinto and and, yeah, and, and Norris play. and some of these other players that they've got. Like the the one thing like in Edmonton, you know, once kind of the glory days were over, they had that group with Dougie Waite and Bill Guerin and yep. Todd Marchant and a lot of these guys loved playing in Edmonton because where they grew up Nobody hockey was like shit. third or fourth or, or whatever. And yeah. so now they come to a place where hockey is number one and they appreciated that. And I, yep. I kind of feel like some of these guys that, that grew up, especially in the big cities, I, I'm not saying the farm boys, but I, I think some of the big city guys that that grow up maybe with a little bit of money, oh, well, it's just easier in San Jose. Sure it's just I'll hang easier out in, Tampa in Florida. And, yeah, so and
1: yeah. I... I, Well, and love I love them or hate them. You know, I'm a Leaf guy. Austin Matthews, he loves... Being a pimp in Toronto, right? Well, like he, that guy grew up in Arizona where n- everyone was really hockey, and and now in Toronto he's the guy. Now we'll see in a few years whether he's still enjoying that. If the team's still not getting past the first round, he probably won't. But he's got these endorsement deals, and he's doing the fashion thing, and he's. I think he likes being on the big stage. Like, hey, look at me, right? There, certain guys are that way, and some aren't.
0: Well, and I, I just think. You got to bring those guys in early, yeah, because the young guys they'll eat anything up. They're in the sure. National Hockey League; they're happy to be there. Yeah, but it, it's those middle it, it's it's those guys that are in their prime. And I think later, right, you you get some guys later mm-hmm. in their careers, and and you know they've been through it, and it's like, yeah, send me there; I'll be happy to go and and deal with that. Sure, I want to play where hockey's anymore, important. Right? But I, like, I feel like the guys <laughs> right in their prime don't want to come here. <laughs> yeah. for the most part, and so. That, that's where I think it, it's important that you you draft and develop and, you know, like, uh, does, does Jack Eichel really want to come play in yeah. Ottawa? I just don't see it. Yeah. I, I And there's too much baggage from his Buffalo days. and I and don't know.
1: I think that guy, I think people are underrating that guy all of a sudden. I,
0: of, I, I'm not underrating his talent.
1: I agree with you. He may not want to come to Ottawa, but... His baggage, his injury history, stuff. I think if you could get him out of that garbage fire, that is. Yeah, the Yeah, but Buffalo he's created Stabler. a lot of it. Yeah, like, he
0: is a part of it. He's, he's a created a lot. Like the Ryan O'Reilly, he wanted Ryan O'Reilly out of town. Yeah, yep. He wanted Ryan O'Reilly out of town. So, like, <laughs> like <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly was happy to go win a cup somewhere. Else exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, too much influence, and 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 would he go somewhere else? And
1: and I guess when I said Eichel, though, I just meant like I don't want to trade for a forward who's going to block one of Ottawa's young forwards. Yeah. I would consider getting one if he's a legit number one and pushes Norris and Pinto down
0: instead of blocking Norris. You know what I mean? Like that type of... Well, that's why I think Henrik's the perfect guy because Henrik can play up and down your lineup. Yeah. yeah. And maybe he's maybe he's a two to start. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's a three or a four, you know, but but yeah. you just... If if Pinto comes in and he's th- that much better, but you, you've got a guy that can move up and down your lineup. Right. Like played well with Connor Brown. Like I think a pretty good two. And then, you know, maybe Pinto's your three and plays on the power play. Like maybe gets past him. Yeah. I, I think, well, no, exactly. Exactly. Pinto can so get as long Lyon, as they, push, Look, yeah. you, you can't. What they did last year, I understand what they were thinking for some of it, but what they did last year, like I understand bringing. Much a couple of these guys in, but yeah. they brought in 10. Yeah. And it was like, what are you guys doing? And it, it backfired, and I hope they learned their lesson. Well, and, and, I think, the and I think the whole season. 10, 11 games in was look, over. When you look at what they've done so far, okay, you brought in two defensemen, right? You, you brought in Holden. Yep. And you brought in Delzotto. If, if you bring in one forward and the rest of it is internal, then I think... I think I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I think you need to bring in fresh faces every year. Yep. And generally, you know, some of the coaches that I talk to, like kind of 25% turnover, just good to kind of mix yeah. up the group. Keep it. Hungry. I don't even think you're going to have 25% with this group, but you know. Maybe to, they're to,
1: young to, enough. Maybe they don't have to go quite that heavy. I wonder though, with those two defensemen. Say anything about what they think about either Eric Brandstrom or Victor Mete. Like
0: Yeah, and maybe one of those guys gets moved in a yeah, deal yeah. as as part of uh a, a trade to get a, a centerman, right? Maybe, yeah. Y- you know, part of a package. You're giving up two or three pieces or where you at on Brandstrom.
1: You giving up on him yet? I, uh, I to me it would be too soon to give up yeah, on him.
0: Yeah, I liked what I saw in particular in the American Hockey League when I saw him play. I, I didn't see some of that dynamic stuff yeah. in in years past or like it just feels last like year one of
1: those guys who as soon as you ship him out figures it out or something Yeah like no you.
0: I he's got he's got some he's got some ability Yeah. You know? like he he showed me some really good dynamic qualities that I didn't see last year in Ottawa when I was watching him in Belleville and then I thought it translated at the next level where all of a sudden he did some things jumped into the rush and and showed some kind of high-end skill that said, okay, maybe this guy, guy does have a chance. So yeah. I I understand they're thinking probably in the sense that, okay, you got Branstrom and Mete and are, are both of these guys going to be on your blue line on a Stanley Cup winner? Probably not. Probably sure. probably in an ideal world, maybe just one of those guys. And in an ideal world, it's probably Branstrom. But yeah, I mean, I, I think with Sanderson and, and, and Shabbat, I mean, you'd like a couple more. And I think Zub is kind of a surefire guy. And if you can have kind of another guy, you know, round out that top four, whether it's, you know, a Branstrom or, or whoever, maybe it's a Bernard Docker, then, then you've got the base to, if you've always got that base on the, bl- on the blue line, then you know, you've got a chance to, to be competitive year in, year out. And then it's about having the forwards and, you know, a team like Nashville is a prime example. Nashville has built from the blue line yep. out and has been competitive every year with that blue line, but they didn't have the forwards. So I I do think this group long-term looks like they've got some really good forwards, but if they can kind of, you know, they need a Sanderson to pan out for sure. And they need somebody else to pan out. Like I said, either a Brandstrom or Bernard Docker or someone of that ilk. And Mm -hmm. if they get that, then man, this team could be really, really good.
1: So, last one for you then. This coming season, what's a reasonable expectation for this group? Are they pushing for a playoff spot?
0: Pushing for a playoff spot, okay. yeah. I I think reasonable expectation is, you know, certainly more than Montreal's coming back points. down to
1: earth. I would say, Tampa. Oh yeah,
0: no, I'm I'm not sold on. Montreal yeah. at all. Tampa I, and
1: Florida are going to be good. We'll see what Toronto looks like. Boston may be on the decline, but I say well, that, I've say that i said that the last couple of years. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they seem to make
0: it happen. Look, it's not so. going to be easy to make the playoffs in the East. No. Because I think you've got 10 or 12 teams that have a reasonable chance. You, you mentioned, okay, like Tampa Bay, Florida. You've got Boston. You've got Toronto. You've got that, uh, that quartet of teams like Pittsburgh, Washington, Washington the Islanders. Then you got the Rangers Rangers pushing up. Yeah, Philly made a lot of moves. Like they really improved their blue line, I think, in the offseason. So, you know, there's there's nine teams right there, Mm -hmm. and you still have Montreal. Yep.
1: Ah, I don't like Montreal. I no,
0: no, I don't. uh, I don't like Montreal to make the playoffs either. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I kind of feel like, you know, this is a team that's probably going to be. 10th, 11th in the East yeah, next okay. year, somewhere in that vicinity. Playing big games down the so, stretch. But, you know, like, where's, where's a reasonable point? Like, I think, look, if they're 13th to 16th, that's not good enough. If they're under 500, that's not good enough. Like, they've got to be somewhere between... 82 like well maybe even a little more 85 to 90 points okay I, some, yeah. if yeah. they got 85 to 90 points and missed the playoffs I, i'd be i'd be happy as long as their young guys keep developing sure yeah
1: uh this is always awesome aj i really appreciate when you make some time hopefully uh well i'm sure the next time we're able to do this rob will be back in as well Beauty. and uh we'll get him back on the mic he's Never short of things to say either, right? So uh, you two like to battle for the uh, the microphone, and that always works out good too. So um, really appreciate you making some time, and uh, you'll be back on the air, TSN 1200, uh, doing play-by-play for the Red Blacks starting on Saturday out in Edmonton. Uh, you like the idea of kind of this heavy slant that they've done, pushing, I guess, world's changed since I set up the schedule. Initially, I like the idea. All these early games are going to be played out west where things were more wide open. Now you kind of go, eh, I don't know. But uh makes sense to you? Start out west?
0: Yeah. I. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is the schedule is not... I don't know why they had three games in 11 days again. That mm. kind of pisses me off. Like It's rough. It, it's one thing. So they added the extra week, right? So it was 81 games over 20 weeks for Mm -hmm. the longest time. So someone was going to have to play, you know, basically twice in a week, right. Or three games in 11 days. And that always meant you played like a a Wednesday and then you played like a Monday and then you played, you know, five days after that, which meant three games in 11 days. And so to get rid of that, they added the extra week. So it was 81 games over 21 weeks. Sure. So this year you have 63 games to play in 16 weeks the math works. It's not 65 in 16 <laughs> weeks, but even with that, Ottawa is still playing still. three games in 11 days, yeah. which to me, um, not good enough. I, I think the CFL blew it on, on that. And, and, uh, yeah, not good enough at all from a player safety standpoint. I was really disappointed in that. Some of the other stuff, uh, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me that they're not playing a game one against Winnipeg. Like I understand the, the 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 unbalanced, and you're playing the East more than the West, but mm-hmm. okay, you're playing four games against Montreal. Okay, I got that. Two each against Toronto and Hamilton. All right, I got that. Then you got six games against the West. Why wouldn't you have two against one team? And then you know, the other four you play once. Well, they're playing BC and Edmonton twice., yeah. <laughs> and you don't play Winnipeg. So look, as a guy who's from Edmonton and as a guy who loves Vancouver, I got no complaints because I'm going to Edmonton and Vancouver, sure. and I'm thrilled <laughs> uh, you know and and I yeah. miss Winnipeg, and there's no city I don't like, yeah, but I'd rather go like with all due respect, I'd rather go to Vancouver, or Edmonton than Winnipeg, even right. though I love calling games in that stadium, mm-hmm. but it's still a joke I mean lot police and and Nichols don't even get to face their old team, yeah. Like that, that just, there's some scheduling quirks that I get it. It's hard. I get it. There's teams like Toronto. Like it always comes back to the Argos, right? It's teams like Toronto that, you know, they, they only have like nine dates. Okay. Here's, here's the nine dates where we can play the seven games, right? Because they share BMO field, all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. So it's not ideal from that perspective, but come on, I could do the schedule it's always Toronto, and, eh? Screwing and, the rest and, of And the do game. a better job than what they're doing. There'd yes. be no three games in 11 days. There'd be no like, okay, you're not playing Winnipeg and you're not doing this. And yeah. uh, some, some of that is just not good enough.
1: <laughs> totally agree with you there. And uh, really the reason we keep bringing on love your passion, right? <laughs> you know what's up and you've thought it out and you tell us when you're annoyed about it so
0: that's <laughs> that's the good stuff yeah yeah i'm not short sure of opinion that's for sure no
1: so uh aj jack you back from tsn 1200 he's also uh what is it two to two to six most yeah. weekdays is do that correct
0: do uh, red blacks to atletico ottawa one more black Jacks game unless well they could host a second but yeah. uh we'll see but uh yeah no, it's it's always great uh, just great to be able to talk sports with you and always great uh sharing a beer with you as well
1: absolutely and like you said it's great that we're able to do these back in person again so uh aj Jackieback from the drive two to six on tsn 1200 the voice of the red blacks and uh most of ottawa's uh, sports properties here so make sure you keep an eye out for him he's on twitter at the super aj we are on twitter and instagram at tall can audio and i hope you'll subscribe wherever you're listening right now and we will see you next time on tall can audio
0: Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall can Audio on your favorite podcast app.